Hello, this is Anna from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 20th of July. India reported 30,093 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, taking the total number of infections in the country to 3.11 crore. The daily case count is the lowest since 17th of March, when the country registered 28,903 new cases. The death toll went up to 4,14,482 as 374 more patients died due to the infection in the last 24 hours. All these figures, however, are widely believed to be undercounts. The Supreme Court criticized the Kerala government's move of lifting COVID-19 restrictions for three days ahead of Bakreed. The court warned the state that it would take action if the ease in restrictions led to further spread of COVID-19. Meanwhile, multiple states have issued fresh guidelines on COVID-19 restrictions ahead of the festival, which is to be celebrated on 21st of July. Yesterday, the Uttar Pradesh government restricted gatherings to only 50 people at any place, while the Assam government disallowed any public congregations. In Sikkim, News 18 reported that 97 of 98 samples sent for genome testing showed the presence of the more virulent Delta variant of the infection. A central panel of experts who visited COVID-affected Kolhapur and Sangli in Maharashtra recommended that the two districts be placed under complete lockdown. Dr. Shashank Joshi, a member of the state COVID task team, said that the rise of coronavirus infection in these areas, including Satara, rural Pune, and Ahmednagar and Nandurbar, is causing concern. In Mizoram, during the week-long total lockdown that began on 18th of July, Health Minister Dr. R. Lalthang Liana today announced the commencement of a mass sample testing program for COVID-19 in the Aizol Municipal Corporation area. The minister added that a mass testing drive held last month at a private orphanage and de-addiction centre in Aizol yielded positive results and drastically reduced the virus's spread. The Mizoram government has currently imposed a complete lockdown in AMC area and some district headquarters to break the chain of rising COVID-19 cases. The existing guidelines are scheduled to be lifted on 24th of July. Globally, according to Johns Hopkins University, the coronavirus disease has infected more than 190.8 million people and killed over 4.09 million. Meanwhile, The United States eased its recommended level of travel restrictions to India. An advisory from the country's State Department showed that the U.S. has now designated a Level 3 travel advisory for India, which refers to reconsider travel. Earlier, India was on the Level 4 list, which meant do not travel. Journalists Patricia Mukhim and Anuradha Bhasin moved the Supreme Court today, challenging the constitutional validity of the sedition law. Mokhim is the editor of Shillong Times, while Bhasin is the owner of Kashmir Times. In their plea, the journalists contended that Section 124A of the Indian Penal Code was being used to intimidate, silence and punish scribes and that it will continue to haunt and hinder the right to free speech and the freedom of the press. The plea stated, and I quote, The three-tier categorization of the punishment for the offense of sedition ranging from life imprisonment to fine simpliciter, without any legislative guidance for sentencing, amounts to granting unbridled discretion to judges, which is hit by the doctrine of arbitrariness and violates Article 14." Unquote. Earlier, the Apex Court had expressed concern over the misuse of the sedition law 
and had meditated over the fact if the colonial law was still needed 75 years after independence. While hearing a petition challenging the law, Chief Justice of India N. V. Ramana had said, and I quote, It is a colonial law. It was meant to suppress a freedom movement. The same law was used by the British to silence Mahatma Gandhi, Tilak, etc. Still, is it necessary after 75 years of independence? Unquote. On 16th of July, the People's Union for Civil Liberties had filed a plea challenging the constitutional validity of the sedition law. Former Union Minister Arun Shauri also moved the apex court last week, saying the law was being heavily abused. Lok Sabha proceedings were adjourned until 11 a.m. on 22nd of July after the House met today at 11 a.m. The proceedings were halted since opposition members sought to raise various issues and shouted slogans. In the context of the Pegasus leaks, some opposition members raised placards and shouted slogans like quote-unquote snooping government, the Indian Express reported. Some of the placards also demanded the resignation of Prime Minister Narendra Modi and Home Minister Amit Shah. The proceedings lasted for barely five minutes. Meanwhile, the proceedings in Rajya Sabha resumed at 1pm today, after Deputy Chairman Harivansh Narayan Singh agreed to have a discussion on the pandemic situation in the country. Yesterday, both houses of the parliament were adjourned minutes after proceedings began on the second day of the monsoon session. This was amid protests by opposition MPs on rise in fuel prices and the alleged hacking of phones using the Pegasus spyware. Indian Express reported that Malikarjun Kharge, the leader of the opposition in the Rajya Sabha, claimed that, like demonetization, the union administration was unprepared for the coronavirus shutdown and should be held accountable. He added that it was central leadership that broke its own regulations by not adhering to COVID-19 principles during state elections. In the Rajya Sabha, Samajwadi Party leader Ram Gopal Yadav urged the government to raise the budget of the health minister and build infrastructure for future challenges. He said, and I quote, Before the budget, I told Nirmalaji to raise the health budget. The current health budget is fake. The actual budget is only 72,000 crores. You have added other departments' budget in health." Unquote. Yesterday, Assam Chief Minister Himanta Biswa Sarma announced that the government is planning to recruit 10,000 additional ASHA workers and 1,000 local youth to create awareness about birth control measures in riverine areas of the state. According to Scroll, in the Assam Assembly, Sarma stated that a people's army would be formed in the affected areas. He added that the increase in Muslim population had led to poverty and increased land-related tensions in the community. ANI quoted him as saying, and I quote, The discussions on the cultural identity of indigenous Muslims and Muslim communities of Char Chapuri regions will be held separately. If population growth among Hindus in Assam was 10% from 2001 to 2011, it was 29% among Muslims, unquote. Sarma stated that his government seeks to enhance the lives of Muslims in the state by limiting population growth. According to Deccan Chronicle, Sarma said that the lifestyle of the Hindus improved due to decline in population growth. Sarma's remark is in line with a conspiracy theory promoted mostly by the Hindu right wing, which claims that Muslims in India have a far greater fertility rate than Hindus. 
According to the data by the last census in India held in 2011, the growth rate of Muslim population in India slowed more sharply than that of the Hindu population. Listeners, I would like to take a moment here to remember one of the most pioneering photojournalists whom we lost last week. 38-year-old Danish Siddiqui was killed while covering clashes between the Afghan Special Forces and the Taliban in Afghanistan's Kandahar province on 16th of July. His last rites were performed on Sunday night when he was laid to rest at a cemetery in Jamia Millia Islamia, his alma mater. News Laundry's Ayush Tiwari documented how his funeral was attended by hundreds, former classmates, budding photojournalists, friends and neighbours who brought along their private memories of Siddiqui. Ayush spoke with several attendees who were present to pay their last respects. One of the attendees was Abdullah, a former classmate of Siddiqui, who recalled how Siddiqui was a very simple boy who loved silly pranks. He said, and I quote, No one had an inkling that he would step into such a daring profession and make a name for himself, unquote. You can read Ayush's report on our website. It is titled, There Was No One Like Him. At Danish Siddiqui's funeral, hundreds throng to say goodbye. While you are there, check out our report from this morning on the media coverage of the Pegasus project that listed out 300 verified Indian numbers as potential targets by the Israel-based NSO group. While some newspapers said that it's a betrayal of the constitutional compact with citizens, if the allegations are true, the most shouty man on television had its own take. Republic TV's Arnab Goswami had a panel that called the revelations a flop show, hoax and fiction. Check out our story, it is titled, Project Pegasus in Media, Unacceptable Attack on Democracy and a Hoax, According to Arnab. Listeners, the Pegasus leaks spotlight how hacking software is used to target journalists and other personalities and how we are all part of a surveillance regime. Pegasus developer NSO has stated that it licenses its spyware only to governments to keep track of criminals, terrorists, drug dealers and so on and not private citizens. So, if you ever needed a reason to support independent media, this is it. Log on to newslaundry.com. Click on the subscribe button on the top right-hand corner of our website. Our lowest subscription starts at Rs 300 a month only. Addressing a weekly meeting of BJP MPs, Prime Minister Narendra Modi today said that the Congress had not been able to come out of the coma, that the BJP party has come this far. The PM was tackling opposition attacks on his government's COVID handling at a party meeting. His statements also come amid the Congress and other opposition parties protesting over issues ranging from COVID crisis to price hikes and the alleged hacking of phones using the Pegasus spyware. According to NDTV, Modi called the Congress's conduct irresponsible and unfortunate and urged his party to take facts about the government's work to the people so that the opposition's lies didn't fill the vacuum. PM Modi claimed that the Congress was purposely creating a negative climate in the country despite the fact that vaccines are not in limited supply. He remarked that the COVID crisis was not a political but a humanitarian issue and the government had ensured no one was hungry during the pandemic. He said that it was a matter of concern that even today in Delhi, 20% of frontline warriors were not vaccinated. 
The Delhi High Court today ordered the Delhi Police to reply to Navneet Kalra's petitions challenging the suspension of his two eateries, Town Hall and Khan Chacha, Indian Express reported. Currently, Kalra is out on bail after being charged and arrested by the Delhi Police in May in a case pertaining to the black marketing of oxygen concentrators during the second wave of COVID-19. While pulling up the authorities for not having passed a final order yet in pursuance of the show cause notices, Justice Rekha Pali said, and I quote, You compel people to come here. You should have passed an order by now. Ultimately, he wants to run them. If he is not entitled in law, please pass an order. What is this? You are involved in an FIR and that is the end of it. Unquote. Kalra filed a petition with the court challenging the Joint Commissioner of Police's licensing units show cause notice come orders against the two eateries. Despite the submission of replies to the notices, the court was informed that the authorities are yet to issue a final order. Kalra's lawyer Maninder Singh had previously contended that the suspension was illegal under Section 141 of the Delhi Police Act. The eateries' registration certificates had been suspended by the register authority. The certificates were suspended after the recovery of the oxygen cylinders from the eateries. The respondent's lawyer, Santosh Tripathi, requested more time to seek directions in the matter. The court slated the matter for 30th of July. On the eve of the Eid ul Adha festival on Monday, a suicide bomber killed at least 35 people and injured dozens more in a packed market in Iraq's capital Baghdad. Quoting a police source, Al Jazeera reported that at least 60 persons were injured. The death toll could rise as some of the wounded were in critical condition. Women and children were among those killed and the blast caused numerous shops to burn down. According to Iraq's military, the incident occurred at Sadr City's Wahilat market. Iraqi President Barham Sali called the bombing a heinous crime. He tweeted and I quote, They are targeting our civilians in Sadr City on the eve of Eid. They do not allow people to rejoice even for a moment, unquote. According to Al Jazeera, a bomb exploded at a market in the highly populated neighborhood for the third time this year. In April, a vehicle bomb blast in Sadr City killed at least four individuals. In January, a dual suicide attack in a bustling business area in central Baghdad killed more than 30 people. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe and hold on during these distressing times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.